Merry Christmas, everybody. This morning, we're going to be doing something a little bit different. You're going to be hearing the story of Christ, the birth of Christ from five different people and five different perspectives. And I'm going to be starting off today talking about Joseph. So I want the men to listen up, and boys who may one day become men. Imagine with me that you just had the best day of your entire life. And when I say best, I mean that because you just proposed to the woman of your dreams, Mary. And she said yes. You guys were so happy you went out and you had a great meal. You talked about the future. You made wedding plans. Now it's the end of the day. You're home. You're tired, but you're really happy. You're about to lay down to go to sleep. You get a text message. You look down at your phone. You see it's from her. You open it up and you read it. And as you read it, your whole world seems to fall apart. It's only two words, but those two words say, I'm pregnant. You don't even understand how she could be pregnant. You guys haven't even been together. And as the emotions hit you, and those two words seem to flip your whole world upside down, you start going through the stages of grief, anger. How could she do this to me? I loved her. Denial. Maybe it's a joke. Maybe she's playing a bad prank. Sadness. I'm never going to love again. She broke my heart. But you're a level-headed man, and you quickly arrive at acceptance, and you realize you have to deal with this. And as you wrestle with this decision late into the night, you finally decide that before the law, you have to call it off. You can't marry her. But before God, you love her. You don't want to disgrace her or her family, so you're going to do it quietly. You let out a painful and tired sigh, and you lay down for the second time that night to go to sleep. When all of a sudden, a bright, blinding light explodes in your room and an angel appears in front of you. And it terrifies you almost as much as it, ama- as it, is, as it amazes you, seeing this angel. And then the angel speaks to you, and what the angel says is probably more terrifying than seeing the angel because of how crazy it sounds. The angel says, stay with her. Keep the child. Name it Jesus. He's going to be the son of God. So now your mind's going crazy. On on one side, you have all your instincts, your common sense screaming at you. Go with this decision you've already made. It's logical. It makes sense. And then on the other side, you have God telling you to trust and obey. And Joseph did, and he stayed with her. He raised the child as his own, named him Jesus, and he was the son of God. That was Joseph's moment of truth, and he chose to trust and obey God. But he didn't choose to do that just one time because at any moment after that point, Joseph could have decided he was done. He could have turned around and left Jesus and and Mary and said, this is too much for me. But he didn't. And that means that each day after that, he also decided to trust and obey God. And it's the same for you and, and me. You don't decide to trust and obey God one time when you become a Christian and that's it. You need to do it every minute of every day to trust and obey God. This also showed Joseph that the birth of Christ was not about him. And and for us, it shows us that Christmas, this time of year, is not about us, especially for men. I think it's so easy as a man, especially with a family, to become the center of everything, whether it's on accident or on purpose. And Joseph is the perfect reminder that that's not what this time of year is about. Can you imagine if you were asked to be the stepfather for a child whose real father who's the almighty creator of the universe, whose love is perfect, who knows us inside and out. How do you top that? 
And you add on to that, after you raise him his entire life, he's going to go back to be with God, his real father. That'd be enough to scare any man away, but not Joseph. Joseph recognized this was about something bigger than him. This was about something bigger than, oh, your son has your, your eyes. This was about something bigger than, I want to give the family business to you, son. This was about something bigger than grandkids. This was literally and fundamentally pursuing the kingdom of God above your own desires. So are you ready for your moment of truth? Maybe it's already happened. Maybe it's right around the corner, but you need to be ready. Be prepared to trust and obey. And men, I challenge you this Christmas, make it about everybody around you, and most importantly, make it about Christ. angel came to me and told me that I was highly favored and that the Lord was worth with me, I was deeply troubled. But then he urged me not to be afraid. And he said, you will be with child and give birth to a son and you are to give him the name of Jesus. He will be great and he will be called the son of the most high. How, how could this be? What would everybody think? Joseph would never understand. My family, his family, the community, it was too much to imagine. No one would believe I was a virgin. But the angel Gabriel explained, and I found myself saying, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. Then, when I went to see Elizabeth, God gave me the greatest gift. She knew. The baby within her knew. I did not have to explain anything. My heart felt such gratitude that I lifted my voice in praise and I proclaimed, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He's filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He's helped his servant in Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, even as he said to our fathers. Some say Hannah prayed a similar prayer when God gave her a son in Samuel and dedicated him to God. But how can you not pray this way when you've tasted of the Heavenly Father's provision and plan, you suddenly just know he's a big-picture God. He's orchestrating all of the details, even the ones that look threatening, in our eternal favor. It makes it easy to be humble, to surrender, and to believe. How can one be less than hopeful when your own maker 
takes so much concern for your own well-being when he has a plan to rescue the world and makes you a part of that plan. It humbles the soul. Who am I to be a part of this? When you know that you are that loved, why not surrender? The alternative? It's a road without him. It's not one I want to imagine. When I saw how God revealed to Joseph the details of the pregnancy, I knew. This was his story to write, and I was just a participant. How could I not believe? I don't talk much about that journey to Bethlehem or to that night in the stable. My heart was too full when the time came to... My heart was too full when that time came to even articulate my feelings, even now. But I treasured up all these things and pondered them in my heart. When we took Jesus to the temple to dedicate him eight days after he was born, we met Simeon, who blessed him and said, This child is destined to cause the rising and falling of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken again, Against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a source, a sword will pierce your own soul too. Later, when I stood at the cross, I found this to be true. Psalm 30, verse 5 says, Weeping may remain for a night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. Jesus, my Redeemer, is that joy. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you, a Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Try to imagine with me for a second the complexity of all that the angels were experiencing on this night. They don't have any other responsibility or desire other than to praise their creator and to serve him. And then this night comes, the long-awaited-for night. Their Lord Jesus Christ is being born in a manger. Now, even though he was being born on this night, he was no stranger to them. You see, God's word tells us that in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Since before creation in the beginning of time, as we know it, God has always been God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Not only do the angels know this baby in the manger, but they were created by him and created to serve him. Isaiah tells us in Isaiah chapter 6 that he was given a small glimpse of heaven in which he saw the Lord seated on, a thr on the throne and angels surrounding him in worship. The Gospel of John gives us a little bit more explanation of this encounter, saying that what Isaiah saw in that glimpse of heaven was actually Jesus and his glory. So before the Son of God entered the world, he was the center of the adoration and the worship of the angels. They knew who he was, and they worshiped him. 
So try to imagine how they must be feeling on this night when they see their Christ, who they were just worshiping on a throne in heaven, now as a baby, flesh and blood, lying in a lowly manger. The angels had the knowledge the world did not yet have, that God the Son was coming to earth as a man to bridge the gap between God and man. He was assuming what was ours so that we might inherit what is his. So on the night of his birth, as heaven and earth touched through Christ, Luke says, Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. It was as if they were saying to the shepherds and to all of us, Do you realize who has come to you? Do you realize the gift that you have been given? We have been worshiping him in the glory of heaven, and now he has taken on your flesh. Do you realize the favor of God that rests upon you in the coming of his son? Glory to God in the highest. What a glorious responsibility that the angels had to know the grace and mercy that God was extending to earth, to give the gift of his son, and to have the responsibility of telling the first people about this gift. The angels were not only given the task of telling Joseph and Mary of the coming of Christ and encouraging them to trust in God, but as we see in Luke chapter 2, they also presented the news of Christ's birth first to the shepherds. In a way, the angels were some of the very first missionaries that God's word introduces to us. They knew of the glory of the Lord, and they knew the Son of God was becoming man so we might inherit the kingdom of God. They knew this, and they were instructed to deliver this message to the shepherds. They obeyed immediately, and the Lord went with them. Luke 2, 9 says, An angel of the Lord appeared, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. Remember that God's glory is specifically a display of his holiness. 1 John 1, 15 tells us that God is light, and in him is no darkness. And so this display of his holiness that the shepherds saw that night was God sending his son as not only an act of love, but also of his holiness. It reminds us that man is a sinner separated from God, but here God was acting to remove that barrier by the sending of his son. So just as God instructed the angels to deliver this message to the shepherds, and they did so with rejoicing and praise, we have been called to share the good news of Christ's birth, death, and resurrection to everyone, and to do so with rejoicing and praise. Jesus tells us, go and make disciples of all nations, and surely I am with you always, even to the very end of age. So this Christmas, as we celebrate, let us rise up to meet God's call to spread the news of his son, just as the angels did with rejoicing and praise, and may God send with us his glory, just as he did with the angels. Any of the children who would like to come down and sit right in the front here, we welcome you to come forward. That night, a group of shepherds were watching their sheep at night. And the sheep were, maybe they were sleeping, maybe there was a little lamb that the one of the shepherds was holding, just like this little lamb. And uh, the angel of the Lord came. And I, wonders, I wondered if the shepherd thought when he saw the angel. He, I wonder if he thought, what was he feeling? Do you think he was happy when he saw the angel? 
Actually, he was quite fearful. He was afraid. And the angel appeared and told him some amazing news. The angel told, do we have the scripture up on the screen there? Um, yeah. The, the angel said that the, the Messiah would be born and that the, there was good news coming. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, ah, that's getting kind of heavy. The, a Savior is born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Why was, why was Jesus born in Bethlehem? Why was he born in Bethlehem? He was born in Bethlehem because it was prophesied. And there were, why did Jesus, why did God send the angel to the shepherds? Well, Abraham was a shepherd. Isaac was a shepherd. Jacob was a shepherd. David tended the sheep before he became a king and shepherded over the nation of Israel. So it seems appropriate that God told the angel of all people to go to the shepherds. Shepherds are a lowly people. Shepherds are, they are a meek people. They are humble people. They work in the fields at night. They don't get a lot of respect in society, perhaps. And God told the angel, go to that group and tell them. And give them the, my birth announcement, that my son is coming. Can you think back about your own? If you had a child, did you send out a little note and announce the birth and the weight and the length of the baby? Well, God said that he didn't say the length and weight that Jesus would be or had been after he was born. He said he's going to come to be a savior. What is a savior? A savior is someone who can save us. A Messiah, the promised one. And Jesus, later, he said, I am the good shepherd. And the shepherd lays down his life for the lamb, for the sheep. So Jesus is a good shepherd, and we are his sheep, and he loves us, and he wants to hold you just like I'm holding this little sheep. But we have to give our hearts to him. We have to give our our, our allegiance to the Lord Jesus and believe in him. And Jesus is calling to you. He's the good shepherd and you are his sheep. And we are all like sheep. So we must believe in Jesus. Jesus said, I am, I am the good shepherd. And also, it could have been that the shepherds were watching over lambs that were going to be used for the Passover feast a few months later. So wasn't it amazing when the angels, the host of angels began to sing and talk about the coming Messiah who was going to be born that night, that the shepherds should go and see him. And so they immediately went off and they, maybe they left the sheep there with someone. I don't know if they carried a little baby one with them. But they went and they went to the manger. They found Joseph and Mary. And that was the, the people that God invited to the celebration of the birth of his son. It was a group of lowly shepherds. Jesus loves the humble. And he loves the meek. And we have to be humble. And we have to... Uh, 
to know Jesus, we have to humble ourselves and trust him because he loves us and he is the one who can save us. And they saw the baby and they went to uh, back afterwards and they told all the people around about Jesus and people were amazed. So they became the first missionaries, those shepherds. Can you believe it? The shepherds became the first missionaries and they went out and told everybody all about, all about the good shepherd, Jesus. And Jesus is also known as the Lamb of God. So he would give his life on the cross for us. And I think I'm over for my five minutes, aren't I, honey? <laughs> Who's watching my time? Five? Okay, Cam, I'm, do I'm right at the end here. So love was born that night. And a group of shepherds were the ones invited to come and see him. Ooh, I feel something. <laughs> so, oh, can you grab my glasses for me? They kind of fell off. Hope was born that night. Hope was born that night. Um, let's put up a picture of the, uh, back at the, uh, yeah. So love was born in, the, in the, the, this little baby, the son of God. Oh, he's chewing on me. Um, so there's hope and there's love. And that was born in Jesus because God sent his son. He loved you so much and he loved me. Okay. Now I'm going to say, I'm just going to say that this lamb's very heavy, so it's time for me to say, can you go back to mommy and daddy? I'm not going to be carrying a camel on stage. Apologies in advance. You may be wondering where I'm from. You may be wondering who I am. You may be wondering how many were traveling with me. And it's likely that in this season you've sung a song called We Three Kings, right? We Three Kings of Orient are. I am one of the Magi. Now, I suppose that would make me a Magus, I suppose. And uh, this doesn't necessarily mean that I'm a king. Uh, think of me more as a scholar, someone learned in the wisdom of my culture, an, an astute observer of the way the world works, wise man, indeed. Now, the scripture doesn't say specifically where we are from. It just says that we came from the east. Now, the song says that there were three of us magi, but actually the Bible doesn't say how many of us there were. It just says that we brought three gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Gifts in tribute to a young king. You see, we saw it. We saw his star. The star of the one who was born king of the Jews. And the text doesn't describe what this star looked like. Was it the aligning of planets? Was it a planet aligning with a star? Was it a comet? Many have looked into this in your day, but 
No one knows for sure, and they have their own theories. Now, you modern folk have astronomy, which is good, hard science about the cosmos. And you have astrology, which is trying to figure out how the aligning of the stars and the planets and such in relation to Earth might influence personalities or events. Well, in our day, these two things were almost inextricably mixed. And I understand that the Jews were forbidden from consulting astrologers to try to learn about their future. I mean, after all, they had God's law, they had the prophets, they were in covenant relationship with God Almighty. Why would they need to look elsewhere? But well, we didn't have that back in the East, but we saw it. We saw the star and we went. And we bowed down and worshiped this king. Uh, sorry to leave you disappointed, but I'm not here today to talk about the how of all this, but the why. Psalm 72 in the scriptures of the Jews, it pictures the king that God has appointed, a king who rules justly, with mercy, who puts down the oppressors, who brings times of refreshing to the earth, and then they come. Kings from all over the earth, bringing him gifts and tribute, for he is the great king. This child was their king. Now, we had thought that Herod and their scholars would recognize him. But Herod, he had other things in mind besides justice and mercy. He was desperate to keep a grip on his own power. And the scholars, well, they knew their Messiah was to be born in Bethlehem, but apparently this was not enough. I understand that around 30 years later, for most of them, his teaching wasn't enough. His miracles weren't enough. Not even witnesses of him rising from the dead were enough. They didn't recognize the time of their visitation. And somehow, we did. Matthew, writing to Jews, made it abundantly clear that we recognized the time of our visitation. Well, God was up to something good. This king later, he had a follower whose name was Paul. And he wrote to some Roman Christians that with all these Gentiles coming into the family of God through Jesus, God's plan was that the Jews would be provoked to jealousy and then come to receive Jesus as their Messiah. For God has bound all over to disobedience that he might have mercy on them all. Jesus is not only king of the Jews, but Lord of all nations. We knew that the child we were looking for was the king. But we didn't know the steps he was going to take to save his people, the Jews, and to open the door for all of us, Jew and Gentile alike, to enter into God's family. But in the gospel, he has made it clear to you, to you, to you. When we saw the star settle over that place, 
where the child was, we rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Have you recognized the time of your visitation? If so, then rejoice with us. To do so would be very wise. There's great joy, this announcement of the birth of Jesus is an announcement of great joy for all people. And we worship here today because of that great joy and that promise is true for each and every one of us. And if you're here for the first time and you've never met Jesus, his joy is waiting for you. Unspeakable joy and delight. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for the, that angel who came and told the shepherds to go find Jesus lying in a manger. And thank you that his birth brings joy to all the nations, to all the peoples, to every ethnic group, all the tongues and tribes. You love them all. You love us all the same, your heart. And you sent your son Jesus to save us. And we celebrate you this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.